Welcome to Conspiracy of Light, where my friend Josue and I talk about Babylon 5 and kind of pick out all the details that uh, we find interesting and annoying and fun and whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going to rewrite that. <laughs> I didn't bring a list of annoying things. I'll, I'll oh, I didn't bring a list of annoying time. things, actually. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe some annoying things, but, but I mean, that's... Uh, I'm not trying to pick apart Babylon 5 because I have a love affair with Babylon 5 for ever since I've discovered it. And uh, we're we're just going to delve into this episode called Infection, which is the fourth episode of series one of season one, uh, just after the movie. And uh, um, it's it's a it's basically a Dr. Franklin episode for the most part. Yeah. I mean, when I was. When when the episode finished, I was like, "Whoa, wait a minute! There's no Lando, no Jakar, no Delenn. There's there barely any any aliens in it at all. I think I don't remember any prosthetics except for the Akaran warrior. Like every, <laughs> seriously, there was there were no aliens at all, right? I think you're right. I think it was really an Earth based episode. Yeah, it's boring. all about you know what's <laughs> well, yes, but it's all about kind of the culture that is uh, being. Uh, being grown out of earth culture at this point, this sort of colonization culture that's going on this, we're going to seek out new worlds and plunder them for new life and new things that we can use in our daily everyday needs. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was interesting because so you're right. It's, it's a Dr. Franklin episode, but really like the, the cool idea is that there's this space archeologist that's, yeah. uh, going around and and trying to find information about you know long dead civilizations and now you know we're, we're in space so that means going to different planets and when he visits Ikara 7 I think is the the correct Yeah, Ikara 7. Of, yeah, the correct designation of the planet and he finds technology that is like you know like it's 2258 we're we're pretty far into the future we're we're living in space and still there's technology out there that we're discovering and it's brand new and it's exciting even for them, right? Because, I don't know, I saw another show this week, right, where they were uh, in the future and they were vis- revisiting Earth in 2015 and they were like, ooh, like, it's so cool, right? And <laughs> Because it, it's it's old technology, but, he, you know, there's still so much more to discover, so many new things. They aren't, like, jaded about, uh, you know, some, some, some new finding. And... And that I found I found really interesting. I also liked how they talked about or, or what we learned about the Akarans and, and what happened there and like what actually led to their demise, which I think is very relevant to like current politics. Sure, yeah. Um so it's a it's a dead world, right? But it, it was home to an ancient spacefaring race. It was this yeah. really technologically advanced society. Yeah, but they had bioweapons, right? So, so that's like mm-hmm. the the big um, that that's what that's what Dr. Franklin and and the other doctor are excited about, which is that they've they've never seen technology like this, right? It's like it's it's basically alive, and yeah, it's organic. Yeah, yeah. And Earth apparently is the only ones out of the big races that haven't got any kind of organic technology. I haven't cracked that one yet. No. Yeah. We still haven't cracked it. I mean, just looking at our world today versus the world of Babylon 5 when it came out. 
Um, as far as I know, we, we're kind of working towards it. There are things where you can control things with your mind if you have things put on your brain, I think. No, we're not doing too bad. We, we actually have organic robots that we've created, which, but they're like super, super, super tiny. So, um, uh, When you say pro- super tiny, are we talking about nanites? Uh, talking about, you know, you'd have to see this through a microscope, but we can That's program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can program things to, to, to move a certain way. We can uh, encode information in DNA, in DNA. We talked about that recently. So we're actually way further along than probably, you know, they thought we would be in the 90s. So that's not, um, I think that by 2258, we'll have way better <laughs> organic technology yeah yeah than than what uh than what babylon 5 envisioned which is like you know crispr is a big deal and and we're we're doing yeah we're doing some cool stuff now but we're, we're super far from a current technology though sure yeah um i don't want to get too far off on a tangent but so i, I have to ask the questions uh the these organic nanites that we've got how are they what's the they have cells in them Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty much how it is. It's like, uh, I don't, I used to be a biomedical engineer. I should be better at, uh, <laughs> at using the words. I don't remember. I'm, it's basically like proteins and, and organic material that is programmed to move in particular ways. So, so there are, and it's called a robot because it's programmable. Right. But it's not, you know, it's not like a sentient, you know, artificial intelligence robot or anything like that. It's something very, very, very simple, you know, like at a cellular level, things that we can make move around that are completely made out of organic components, you know, something that is still alive. And that's, you know, it's it's super, super um, basic in the sense of, you know, they're, the building blocks that are that are used for it. It's very simple. But at the same time, it's like, Holy shit! Like we programmed an or, you know organic material to move a certain way or do a certain thing. I'd have to look up more specific examples. I don't want to. I may be yeah. mixing up some of my sci-fi with my, sure, my real-world news, but that's I'm pretty the challenge. sure. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know specifics. I can tell you, you know, where it's happening. But but I. I feel I like so to, out of the technological yeah. loop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, the Akarans have this amazing, um, organic technology that they have created and these guys are looking for it. I was wondering if anyone, I don't know, you know, I don't know archeology span either. Have we looked for ancient races stuff to, to use as weapons to use? It seems unlikely on earth. It seems like it would only be a science fiction sort of story because we're not going to go back and look at the ancient Egyptians or the ancient Greece and, and find technology. I don't believe. Uh, so, so, so two two points, right? The Akaran technology that they found is is a weapon, right? Yeah. The so so it's very specifically a weapon. And and to your question, uh, I I think that it's not. It's a difficult question to ask in the sense that we, the weapons have evolved and the technology has evolved. Like we're not so far removed from some ancient civilizations that we that things that they did were completely foreign to us. That's true. That's so, true. So like a bow and arrow, we have better bow and arrows, right? We have, um, they had spears, we have better spears, right? <laughs> there, there are, and there are other things, um, again, like, I don't know, like, uh, uh, oh, what's the, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. The thing that's, 
Oh, the Aztec, abacus. Mayan the abacus. Tolkis. That's what I was thinking. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like an abacus, you know, we have we have computers and calculators. And there are some examples of like mechanical computers, which yeah. are super impressive. But also like, why would we make a, a mechanical computer now? You know, when we have... Um, we have, you know, silicon chips and we have, you know, we're, we're building quantum computers now. And, you know, th- there's no reason to like, I don't think there's much that we would learn from there because I think we've been evolving um, yeah. steadily across across time. Again, there isn't really, there's nothing that we know of from like, I don't know, before the ice age, right? There's nothing that sci-fi that has happened here where we're like, oh, you know, like this, we, we've discovered a, an advanced civilization from two million years ago. They're, that doesn't that doesn't exist on Earth, unfortunately. Yeah, that's just a Stargate story that has nothing to do with yep. reality. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. <laughs> I was just thinking about the number of times archaeology shows up in science fiction. It's just interesting. Picard was an amateur archaeologist, and yeah. he had Vosh, who was an archaeologist by trade, and now here we've got these guys who are archaeologists, yeah. basically smuggling materials off of this foreign planet onto the station so they can experiment with them and. For some reason, turning to our good Dr. Franklin (laughs) to help them out. A student. He was a student. So a patsy, basically, I guess, is what what, uh, Vance thought he was. I don't know. Yeah, Vance is not a good guy. No. No. Very Machiavellian Vance. Yeah. Even at the end when he's like, I I couldn't have known. He was like, I I don't know. There were moments where I'm like, is he? He feels no remorse. Wow. No, <laughs> none whatsoever. Yeah, okay. And it, it it occurred to me as I'm watching Dr. Franklin do this autopsy. Okay, so this is a, a you know this is not a large station. This might be the size of a, a big city in in terms of our real world experience. Maybe that. And yet, this is just a normal procedure. Death <laughs> is a normal thing on this station. It yeah. just we've gotten used to it. Yeah. Oh, another autopsy. No big deal. And. It's, yeah, it just seems very odd to me that I, I mean, I guess you just get into space and you just assume this kind of space in which, OK, death's going to happen on a regular basis. Let's keep the flow in and out of the building. Well, this is this is the cool thing about sci fi, because the, the technology like some shows show every single aspect of technology moving forward at an incredible pace. But but the truth is that not all technology moves at the same pace, right? Like, I don't know, like you look at now, like we still use the same trains that we've been using for like 50, 60 years, you know, that type of thing. Same thing with planes. Like there isn't, there haven't been new advancements in technology in, in, in a lot of fields of technology. Like imagine if our transportation had evolved at the same rate as our telecommunications, right? Like it would yeah. be very, very different. And, but, it, but it's not. So I like it when you see a world like this where it's like, oh yeah, we're in space now and we have space fighters and we talk to aliens, but we do not have a computer that can do an autopsy. I am sorry. We need a Dr. Franklin for that. <laughs> it's a good yeah. point because even today we have computers that do surgery. Uh, so, well, they're, they're guided yes, yes. computers, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, it's not, we don't put it on autopilot where the, where the surgeon goes to lunch and just leaves them. <laughs> we are not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it, it's it's a big difference from the times when we had like an audience room where people watch surgeries happen. Yeah, although I mean, technically there is, um, like when you get LASIK surgery done. Yeah. Like that's pretty much the, the machine. Pretty much does everything. The doctor doesn't like the you know it, it that that kind of surgery used to be done by hand, and a doctor would go in and like cut and move and but 
the machine. But it's really, such precise work that you need something yeah. that's going to get that accuracy level. Yeah, right. yeah, and it's very, very quick, and it's completely automated. There's someone standing there to make sure that everything goes okay. Yeah. But really, it's one machine that measures your eye, and the other one that does the cut, and then that's it. It's it's uh, so in that sense, that is you know done by by a robot. You only have to play video games for a little while to know that it's very easy to have a slip of the hand. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and I don't want anybody doing that to my eyes if they're going to be like like I am with a joystick where it just slips off. Oops. Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, I'm dead. Yeah, seriously. I was just playing Zelda yesterday and then uh. <laughs> just slipping off big high places. So. <laughs> All right, so the name of the corporation was Interplanetary Expeditions. Um, this was, uh, I guess, Vance's company, or Vance was working for this company? He's working for them, yeah. Yeah. And he brings back this strange-looking bug thing. It looks like a bug. It, of the many pieces of technology he's grabbed from the Akarans, this, like, almost like, I don't know, it looks like a, a, a metal beetle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and this thing infects Nelson... And turns him into an Akaran warrior. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, it wasn't clear to me at first, but I, I think, I don't know, Nelson killed the guy at the beginning of his own accord, right? Like That's was, true, because he had to get this stuff on the station, so I have yeah. no compunction about this. Yeah, he's not... Not only am I not a good guy, but I, I'm, I'm probably a good uh, source for this infection. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, for a while I was like, huh. So was he infected a little bit before? But I don't, I don't think he was. So he's just a bad guy. And then the the Akaran bioweapon is programmed to do one, well, two things, I guess, right? It is to like build itself out, right? Yeah. Like to find a host and 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 grow. But then its mission is to eliminate anybody who is not pure Akaran, which the irony of that is that that's what caused that seems to be what caused the death of the Akarans because nobody is pure nobody's actually Akaran. pure yeah nobody's pure anything right so they you know some group decided you know we are the su- the superior um people on this planet so yeah. we are going to eliminate the easiest way to to you know deal with this is to eliminate everybody who isn't pure like us and good thing that technology, you know, is is very accurate. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> sure, whatever you say, and uh, and there you go. And then all the Akarns died. Some parallels to uh, Earth politics. Yeah, and and seems to be, you know, it it, it seems more like one of the one of the tropes of some of the science fiction that we watch is that this idea of pure race. And non-pure race, uh, yeah. you know, whatever that might mean, wherever anybody came up with that. I, I mean, I kind of see it early on as we're starting to form societies. You don't look like me. I don't look like you. Resources are, are small. I'm going to give it to people who look like me instead of, you know, looking like you. Yeah. But how it gets to the point where we get to this kind of like, well, there's a pure race. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't even understand the the kind of mindset that goes into that because I guess because I've never met a pure person, whatever that would be. Well, the weird thing is how people get to that point. It's it's like because they reset that they reset the purity line, you know, 
over time. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, we're we're pure Aryan or we're pure white. It's like, but, but like history, like you're forgetting (laughs) there's all this other stuff. Pure American, you know, a real American. I'm like, well, uh, yeah, there there were people here before. Yeah, Uh. (laughs) like America wasn't a thing a couple centuries ago. So what, what, what are you talking about? Like when, when was there a new, a new standard for real or pure? And, and so, you know, I, I love the fact that even though genocide has come up multiple times in this show in different ways, the, or attempted genocide, mm-hmm. uh, this is the, like, this took it to the extreme, right? Which was like, well, yeah. we're defining the parameters for this, for, for this weapon, which is that, you know, nothing that isn't a pure current has to go and then it is destroyed. Uh, so it destroyed everything. And ironically, I'm guessing that the, the, the bioweapons destroyed each other as well, because if this weapon infected Nelson, then he, it's itself wasn't pure Karen either because it was part human. Wasn't that part of Sinclair's argument against yeah. him? Yeah. 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 And so I'm it, sure that that's what happened on the planet. Right. So like even the bioweapons ended up destroying each other. Wah, yeah. Wah. So they must've had, the, <laughs> <laughs> they must've had kind of a, an, like there's some kind of consciousness in the thing, right? To be able to reason out and understand that I'm not pure, you're not pure, but my mission is to make everybody pure. So ultimately it, it you know, does not compute is kind of the answer at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is just the easiest way to, to, to mess with a computer is give it something illogical and it somehow falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's a conscience, right? It's just like, that's the programming. And you know, there was a, there was a logical argument there. Logical yeah, in, uh, okay. in a computer right. sense. Yeah. But, well, I don't know, because uh, Sinclair says, I'm going to make it mad, you know, and <laughs> he starts talking about this stuff just to kind of foil its, 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 to get it involved in kind of an aggressive state, more aggressive than it already is. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm not just a logical killer, now I'm an emotional logical killer, which means that I'm most likely to make some really bad mistakes. He was very emotional. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Protect! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so so this, so like I like all these ideas. Uh, this is this is again part of that world building. I really like all that. But man, this episode felt strange without any of the aliens. It was only humans. It was, it felt uh, again. We're only technically five episodes in, right? This is yeah. the fourth episode of a twenty-two episode season. We're still getting to know people, but still, yeah. this felt strange. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I believe, you know, I didn't even really pay attention to it, but probably just lots of aliens in the background. There, what You know, a lot of times there's more than one story going on, but I don't even think I note that there's more than one story going on in this one. The, was there? The only other thing that was happening was that reporter. Yes, from ISN. Yeah, and, you know, and, and like, Commander Sinclair is trying to avoid her, <laughs> and Garibaldi's yeah. like, "Yeah, yeah, he'll talk to you. Yeah, no problem." <laughs> um, and so she's she's aware of everything that's happening. And I remember at the end, she says, "What is it that she tells?" She finally sits down with Sinclair at the end. She says, "You know, this is the second anniversary of Babylon Five, and no one thought it would last six months." Right. In Based, fact, Herods of London put it down as, I forgot, 24 hours or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and based on everything that just happened, so she's alluding to 
you know, the Akaran warrior and, and, and the deaths that happened on the station. She says, you know, is it worth it? Should we be doing this? Should we just go back home and, and, and just protect our own and worry about our own interests? Right. And Sinclair is like, no, like, absolutely not. Like this, this shows that we, we need, um, he said, you know, eventually we're going to, I mean, up until that point, I'm going to, I'm going to comment up until that point there, there's a parallel to what the Akarans did and what she's mm-hmm. talking about. Right. And, yes, there and is. then, and then to current politics, right. It's like nationalism, like, you know, forget about everybody else. Let's just take care of our own. She uses the, that terminology. And up until that point, I was like, oh, like I see the connection. That's, that's, that's great. You know, to have that conversation in this context with two different civilizations and showing, you know, how, if we make the same mistakes, we could be the occurrence. But then his response was, uh, Sinclair's response was, you know, eventually the, the sun will go away. Basically. Yeah. The sun will, will grow cold and, and humans will not survive on earth. So Unless we go to the stars, exactly, and so, and then, in in that sense, he's referring to the other aspect of the Akarans, which is like that now they don't exist. There's there's nothing there, and he's talking yeah. about how he wants to preserve, and then he says, you know, many different names of of important people throughout history, and talks about how if we don't go out, if we don't explore, if we if we do what you're saying and just you know stay amongst ourselves and protect only what is ours and not interact with other people, we're going to lose everything that makes us human. And he doesn't say like, we're going to end up just like the Akarans, but you know, but that's, that's, but that, the, that's the under, that's the underline. Yeah. 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 The other side of this, you know, okay. So there, there seem to be two arguments there. One is we hole up and stay inside our little place and keep ourselves sa- safe away from everybody else. Mm-hmm. And then the other is we put ourselves out there and infect the world with us. <laughs> Basically, or inspect the universe with us so that everybody knows who Mariputo is, who Einstein is, who Socrates is. Infect is an interesting choice of words. Yes. (laughs) Well, I didn't do it on purpose, actually, so it's a little Freudian. But, you know, I was just coming across the idea. So that's two ends of a duality. And I'm wondering if there's a third way to see it. And I I don't actually know because I'm more on Jeff's side where I'm like, okay, I really, th- I don't, I would hate to see all of this go away. We've worked so hard for this. I, you know, I, I, I live in my little world of stuff. I'm a good middle class American, um, but I, I have reverence for all these ideas, all these things that, you know, if if things were to just be clicked off by a light switch, then in my mind it would just be the saddest possible thing. Of course, I wouldn't be there to be sad about it, but um, it just seems like such a waste. Like, we've done something here important. Let's make sure it gets to the universe as a whole. Let's make sure the race continues. And maybe that's just biology to- talking. But We're so great. We, everybody right. needs to know about us. We can't that, deprive that, them of Earth. That's the dark side of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which which is why the, that ending makes me feel a little uncomfortable. Because even in the end, his his reasoning or his argument against what she's saying is still self-preservation right right it's completely self-preservation which the next episode completely addresses the opposite right but this one is about still about us and he didn't mention once like there's value in 
the world, the universe knowing us and us knowing the universe and learning from each other and growing as a universal, you know, unit you know as as, right. as as a collective as a federation <laughs> as a federation right it's just it's just like life right and and the value of uh you know variety and 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 how much you know we can help each other there was no talk of that i was like oh well ultimately you know buddy holly needs to get out there into the universe. yeah exactly <laughs> everybody needs to know not fade away <laughs> <laughs> so overall Weird episode. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I would I was having this argument with a friend the other day, and it's not an argument for me anymore because I feel like I've either shut the argument down within myself or I've come to a conclusion, but I couldn't verbalize the conclusion right now if I tried to. But the argument is about whether or not we as human beings can do anything non-selfish. I don't know if I have an answer. I'd like to believe because I, I, I kind of believe in this noble intent idea, this idea of being there for others and this idea of altruism. But I can't, when faced with a good argument for it, I can't really easily say, oh, no, that's not selfish because you'll always come up with, well, no, you did it for a reason. It, it satisfies your values. And if it satisfies your values, it's for you. It reminds me of uh, when in, in my master's program, they asked us to come up with like a theory of human interaction and mine was called the mutual benefit theory or something like that. Mm-hmm. I may be, there's actually a theory that is like that, but I didn't know it at the time. And that may be the yeah. name of the real theory that was published. Mine was something like that. Like, like the, the, the benefit theory. And like, all I talked about was like, yeah, like if you go like deep enough, there's always a reason, a, a selfish reason for people to do something. That's what, that's what all, relationships are built upon i've uh i've changed my my perspective a little bit on that but i I can still i can still see that argument very clearly if you go down deep enough well so here's the deal it would have to be that in an unconscious moment meaning that you your ego is not interfering in an unconscious moment you do something for someone else for the benefit of their life without your need taking precedence i don't even know how to measure that or if that's possible yeah, I don't. Yeah, I know, I know. Because if the person does that, not even need or just a want, if you're if you're serving a, either a need or a desire, and you choose to do a sacrifice, like it, or, or help someone else, it's still. If you enjoy that, or if you think it's the the right thing to do, then you're still doing it for selfish reasons. I think there was a Dalai Lama said, uh, like it doesn't matter what. Like it doesn't really matter why people are helping each other as long as they help each other. Like I don't care the people's <laughs> yeah. motivation. <laughs> as long as people are helping each other, we're all gonna be better off. And so I take that position. <laughs> yeah, I, and I agree with that. And I um I'm also at the same time. So I, I read a lot of Castaneda growing up. I don't know if you ever read any Carlos Castaneda, but uh, there was a a gentleman in the story. I think his name was Don Gennaro. And uh, Don Gennaro was seen to be a man of power, which is a kind of a nomenclature in um, in Yaki sorcery uh, about how much like it's like an echelon in Yaki sorcery. And Don Juan would talk about Don Gennaro as a man of power. And Castaneda was always like, well, you've done these amazing things. Why don't you tell anyone about it? Because a man of power doesn't tell anyone about the good things he does in the world. 
Oh, okay. So Don Gennaro doesn't want any credit for what he does, even though he does amazing things. So that that was just an interesting sort of parallel that, you know, he, he may be doing it for a, a selfish purpose, but he's he's not looking for the credit for it. And that may also be a level of un, I don't know, unselfishness, maybe. Or it's just your own idea of yourself as being aggrandized. So I am a great person. I didn't even tell anybody about it. <laughs> could be, could be. I think about like, I don't know, like, you know, if you go to the movies and you see how many people were involved in making the movie and you only know the stars of the movie, the director, maybe a producer. Yeah. And then there's hundreds, maybe a thousand people who worked on that movie. And oh, it's it's amazing how many. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, some of them maybe want rec- more recognition, some of them don't, but everybody got paid. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, when I look at back at old movies and I look at movies now, it's it's obviously a huge change, and that's probably the reason we've got these end of end of movie trailers is to try to get people to stick around. But uh, I've also come to the conclusion that I need to honor everybody everybody there. I'm just going to sit through the credits no matter what because everybody deserves just one glance <laughs> for making something I love. It's messed up when there's like ten people across, and <laughs> it's just too hard. Yeah, but, well, I know. But but yeah, I mean they're. Who knows what people's motivations are, but but Sinclair, at least in this episode, seems to be concerned about self-preservation. And well, you say that, but I have to point out that mm-hmm. Sinclair seems to have a death wish. Uh, so, are you talking about... This is the third uh, time. Yeah. Garibaldi talks about it. This is the third time he's put himself in harm's way Yeah, on purpose. He's a hands-on commander, he says. At the beginning, you know? <laughs> that, that's Garibaldi's spin on it, but he is also yeah. at the same time thinking, man, Jeff, you're, you're, really, you're really starting to do some things that don't make sense to me. And Jeff is like, you know what? There's a lot of truth to what you say. Yeah, yeah. So what is going on with Sinclair? Yeah. And uh, the, the reporter from ISN doesn't seem to have a very good feel for him either. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Well, again, like if he everything that he's doing, is he doing it for glory or is he doing it because he really believes it's going to help or protect uh, other people? He may just think that he's surrounded by idiots and doesn't trust anybody else to do what needs to be done. Could be that. But could be. Yeah, could be. But we've also kind of got this record. uh, You know, we've we've seen the the weird things going on with the Mimbari and, and Sinclair. We know that. Uh, Garibaldi is this kind of like uh, wild card that that uh, that Jeff has pulled to the station. Um, everybody has kind of this uh, dark past, it seems, and of course nobody's really talking about Garibaldi's or or Jeff's for that matter. And it's just a you know it's it, we're being teased with it on a regular basis, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're starting to get some backstory on each of them, and and. You know, this relationship between between Michael and, and Jeff seems to be that, I don't know, it seems like he pulled in Jeff maybe because he recognizes in himself that he has a death wish or he has he has this these moments of like, I'm going to go for it, I'm going to go all out for it, but I need somebody to temper me. And there is, there is Garibaldi there just kind of saying, okay, I get it, but I'm going to hold you accountable for your actions here and make sure that you hear what I have to say. If we were twenty episodes into the series, I would, I would be more. Uh, I, I would go into some speculation, 
But sure. I still feel like there's so little information still about. But but you're right. Like there's definitely a trend in his behavior, and they had yeah. that conversation now. Um, I think I think it's part of the overall mystery. So I'm, I'm not going to speculate. I'm gonna well, you know, as, as someone who's watched it all, I'm not I'm not actually saying something that I truly know to be true or not true. It's going to be a lens that I'm going to watch mm. as I move through the series because this is maybe a lens I haven't paid attention to before. Mm. Gotcha, gotcha. So, um, yeah. But so now we get to the end, and the last thing that happens is Earth Force confiscates the artifacts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They take them off the station, away from yeah. We're we're gonna we're gonna work on these at home. You guys don't have to worry about this. So it was illegal to get in Babylon 5, but now it's perfectly okay to take them home. <laughs> Red tape is just tape. It's easy to peel off and <laughs> cut. Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, politics aside, Vance, is, Vance was very, well, I guess Vance was going to give it to a private corporation that was going to, I'm assuming... Well, interplanetary explanations. Interplanetary explorations is financing his his stealing of ancient technology, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. So. But. But I'm. I'm saying it wasn't like the government doing something covertly. I think it was established there was a private company that was doing it. So then it was like privatized bioweapons on Earth, but now the government stepped in. So now it will be government bioweapons on earth yeah that's a good point yeah yeah which you know and i don't know neither one makes me feel particularly good but uh i mean you know at some point we may not know the relationship between interplanetary expeditions or explorations whatever it is and earth government yeah yeah and yeah i that's one thing that i really don't have a good feel for i don't know what Earth Force is, what they're like. Like we we've talked about Psycor and how that's messed up. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know about We Earth haven't Force. really uh, given a lot of attention to Earth Force so far. I still don't understand what Babylon Five is. <laughs> you know, it's like is it it's not okay, so is it like a diplomatic is it like an uh, like an embassy in space? Is it a military station? Is it like a, a private public um owned operation like I have, I have no idea what it is i don't know what their intentions are i don't know if babylon 5 is a giant space cannon i don't know, if it's like, I, don't know I don't know what it is don't answer don't answer i'm not answering <laughs> but i mean just based on the story so far i i think it's it's meant to be a lot of what you just said you know it is it is this kind of like ambiguous thing but it seems to be that the five major races have come together for this purpose of diplomacy and uh, being ambassadors to their culture and and sort of creating this way station between the universe and us. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure that they said that it is, it's an Earth idea. Now, whether or not it's financed by other aliens or not, I don't think they've gotten into but oh yeah, it's it, it seems like it's us. Yeah. You know, it's it's this is the kind of silly stuff we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're right. It does seem everybody's like, what are they doing? You know. Um, yeah. 
I don't know, a part of me maybe thinks, now I'm speculating, but, you know, maybe the aliens <laughs> are sending their ambassadors there. Like, you know, they're all testing the, the humans. Let's see what these humans are doing, what they're, what they're all about. And it could be that. I don't, I don't know. But, but yeah, it's definitely an Earth thing, but I don't know what Earth's intention is. And I don't know the politics behind it. I don't know the economics behind it yet. So, so I'm, I'm curious. It's like it's a space station. Well, it's okay, yeah, because it's in space. But what, what what's its purpose? I don't know. I'm glad that even though I've watched this many times, I don't actually have an answer for you right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> these are details that I maybe didn't pay attention to first time yeah. around because I paid attention to other things. You know, there's surface and there's depth, and and depth is different for different people. And, and, you know, it's kind of based on your reality, where you're at right now, how you read a particular show. I mean, it's easy to watch something about the Akarans and bring it on home and talk about our sort of isolationist mentality that's going on in America. Sometimes, uh, that, that, that's an easy step to take. Yeah. But it wasn't as easy. I don't think back when I first watched it because there wasn't as much, it wasn't that movement wasn't as on the surface as it is now. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that's just, like, reflecting on, on the real world. But And then on the sci-fi side, too, I'm simultaneously watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Star Trek Discovery, The Orville, and The Expanse while I'm watching this. <laughs> and so, you know, you can't help but compare all of these things. And because, like, those, those they're all pretty similar to, to an extent. And... There's, there's a lot there <laughs> to, to like think about because, you know, there's some context. Yeah, each one of them has a different vision of what things are like, but there are similarities that uh, probably are worth talking about in some future time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, um, before we end, uh, Farscape yeah. just, just uh, came onto Amazon. Oh, really? So, yeah. yeah. You know, in case you have any ideas for another podcast, just wanted to <laughs> let you know. <laughs> I'm not doing a Farscape podcast. <laughs> if if we if we get through Babylon Five, I will probably not do another TV based podcast. Oh yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I I think what's really going to be interesting is watching how your show, The Synapse, starts to come together. Um, because that's a little more broad focused and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see whatever it is you do. Mm-hmm. Me too. For those listening, you can go online and you can get a, a short snippet about the Synapse, which uh, Hoso has been working on for a bit now, but uh, I, I'm encouraging the, the thing to be born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's good accountability. It will happen. It's coming. Excellent. Excellent. Well, until that time, you're stuck with listening to, well, who knows when this was released, but (laughs) until that time, you're stuck with listening to us talk about Babylon 5. So uh, tune in next time when we start to talk about the Parliament of Dreams, which is one of my favorite episodes from this season. So exciting stuff. Thanks, Josue. Let's let's go watch another. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) 